Welcome back to Class on Grass Podcast, Season 2, Episode 33. Yeah, well, we finally made it through that quite hectic intro, yes. I must say so myself. Another one um, of those nights. Yeah, another one of those nights, you know, we, we all get together. Producer Sutton is quite a humorous man, so um, mm. oftentimes it takes upwards of, what was that, 25 minutes to get through <laughs> an intro? <laughs> I mean... There's technicalities and stuff, but... <laughs> Technicalities, laughs, you know, mm-hmm. anyone can call it whatever they like, but, you know, overall, we got through it in the end. We're and here. as we're nearing the end of the season now, there's m- maybe not as much happened this, this week, but more well, more big yeah. things, you know, like, oh, this, like, defining moment. We, we did record on Wednesday, <laughs> so it's kind of hard to find a lot of things with half a yeah. week, mm-hmm. um, but that was just scheduling, so... It's going to be a shorter one, it, I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing it won't be the normal 45 to mm. an hour, maybe 30 minutes. But, you know, yeah, like we said, w- recording on Wednesday and then and then Sunday makes it a bit harder. But that being said, I think the topics that we have today are, are quite good for what happened over the past four days. Um, Starting with the FA Cup, and Leicester won their very first ever FA Cup, um, beating Chelsea in the FA mm-hmm. Cup final. Yuri Tielemans with a wonderful goal. And VAR kind of ruining that that ending for Chelsea. It was it was interesting because did you see the lead up to the Tielemans goal? So I got home from I can't remember what it, exactly it was, but I got home and as soon as I turned the TV on, the goal happened, and so I was like getting settled in. I saw the goal, but I did not see exactly what happened on the way. So to the Chelsea players were upset because uh, Perez in the lead up to the goal, it like. Chelsea were trying to pass it or clear it, and he kind of, like, I think he slid or something, and it hit his hand. Mm-hmm. And then Leicester got the ball back, and they scored. And VAR didn't check that or didn't even call it. And then Chelsea score in the 89th minute or something. Chilwell forces an own goal, and then they call it offside by, like, millimeters. Criminally used VAR. It, it it's criminal. It's just... I, I was thinking also, it's never, like... The player's onside by a millimeter. Never. It's always he's offside. Like, when, when's the last time you've seen, like, checking a goal for offside and it's given onside by, mm-hmm. like, this much? That's what I'm saying. I mean, that was the definition of millimeters. They were like, well, his shoulder is slightly above the pixel of yeah. the other man's shoulder, so technically speaking, he is offside. You know, those lines that they have, I'm sure they're correct, you know, but it just seems a bit... It seems a bit iffy sometimes. Maybe I could draw a different line that's a couple pixels away. Exactly. You know, who is drawing these lines? Do we have? And ch- they're like do, this we Lester, yeah. do we have Lester? Do we have fans up there in the stands drawing the lines? It's true. Yeah. Sending them over to who is the ref? You know. Uh, <clears throat> was it Mike Dean? Michael Oliver, maybe. Uh, yeah, well, one of the big, one of the big lads. Yeah. Um, you know, biggest in the game, yes. FA Cup. But I think uh, it was well deserved from Leicester. They played yes. well the entire game. Chelsea didn't really wake up until the end, mm. and. You know, I was watching the the post-match, and one thing kind of stuck with me, and I'm wondering what you think about this, but um, one of the... I don't know their name exactly because they're not the NBC um, hosts. They're the ESPN hosts, so they're not Mm -hmm. on very often unless you watch, like, Syria or something. But they said that in the first 70 minutes for Chelsea, they were playing possession, passing it around the back, and, you know, it was just... 
get the ball and keep the ball, and they weren't being productive. And then in the last 15 minutes or 20 minutes, they were able to, or it, it wasn't, they, they weren't overthinking it. They weren't saying, oh, maybe I should take this pass. Nope, now it's covered, now I'm going to go back. They were just sending the passes and moving up the field and taking players on and trying to do whatever they could to get chances, which they got. But he said, we don't see that enough in football anymore. It's too much tiki-taka. He, he used those exact words. It's too much tiki-taka, little passing that doesn't get you anywhere. The fans want to see really fast, really mobile, up the field, end-to-end football. And I don't know how to perceive that because we've kind of grown up in an era where tiki-taka has taken over entirely. And it was more fun to watch than just passing it around. But is it more pleasing to the eye and is it is it the more effective play style to win games because at the end of the day it is about winning games yeah i mean well to me tiki taka is not just possession it's like leaning up to a goal it's very fast passing so i would like disagree with whatever how he said that but also i do agree that it has especially in the premier league i think every team is trying to just keep possession and doing possession based kind of style mostly after man city and pep did it um and they dominated the league i think their first title um they're like oh so that works we're gonna just try that but also i feel like it's more of just like you said um kind of denying the opponent any chances until the end and then you're hoping for a chance it's not like okay we're gonna go at them and you know try and score and if they score on us then it's okay but they're more trying just to be conservative and keep the ball and then if they get a chance because they have the ball the most then they'll score but I think I agree it, it is it's not as pleasing to the eye to watch you know I do think it's why Leeds have gotten a lot more press this year than many other yeah. teams I think that throughout the season and way more this season than we've seen in the past as last season and the season before Liverpool kind of took the crown for this but we're not seeing much fast-paced goal scoring at its finest where you can bag five goals against a team. Mm-hmm. So Leeds have done that throughout the season. Obviously, though, they don't have the firepower to maybe consistently yeah. do they that They also concede game. a lot, exactly. too, but that's just part of it. Exactly. And Liverpool last year and the year before, you could argue, didn't concede that much because of Virgil van Dijk, but, you know, he was injured, and I think they changed things around maybe got a little bit more hesitant when they played. Um, and then Man City, uh, Pep's first year when they won the title, they... I think it was a perfect example. They play tiki-taka, they play quick passes, but they also manage to get five goals a game. Yes. And I don't know, maybe five goals a game is a bit extreme. You don't want blowouts like that. But, I mean, we're seeing a lot of one nils, 2 nils, 2-1s this year. And, I mean, the only other league that I can really think of that's, that's you know, taken the cake for fast-flowing football this year is Serie A. And maybe you can only pick Inter out of that entire mm-hmm. uh, stage to say that they really are good at it. So I think it's quite you know an interesting debate. What's more important? Is it stylish football? Is it winning games? Is it is it playing counter? You know, I, I, every team has to have their identity, but at the same time, what what appeals to the fans? Well, yeah, and well, and the fans—they're back at the stadium for the FA Cup final. Uh, it, it seemed from like an overview shot, it was just selling the first ring of Wembley. They but had, still, that, they had, what's that, like 20,000 maybe? So in total, I think it was 22,000. 22, all right. So they had the bottom half almost person to person. Yeah. And then the top half was, as we've seen in the past, where are there, I think there's like three levels. Mm-hmm. When you looked at the very top of Wembley, though, 
it was one person and then like 12 seats and then one person or like a group and then like 12 seats. So it's or really like, spread yeah, out. Or like the banners and stuff. Yeah, they well. had some banners around. But when there was stands at the top, it was very spread out. But I mean, it was, I was, I remember watching the game just smiling like the whole time because oh. I could hear the fans and they were loud and it was like, they would, they would for the first time in ages pan from here's the game now here's this group of fans yeah. reacting. And it wasn't like, oh, here's this singular person in the stands. Yeah. It was like, look at these, like, 20 people all reacting to yeah, this. And it was beautiful. The, I mean, for both the Thielman's goal and the uh, Chilwell goal that was offside, both fan reactions, like, just erupted. And it was yeah. so loud. And people just flying everywhere, limbs, as they say. It, and, it was limbs. And, you know, I was just like, yeah. I can't wait for that. Exactly. So hopefully, um, hopefully, I mean, the Euros. I'm guessing will have. Fans, I think I right? think they'll have limited capacity. The United States is opening up a lot more. I know Allianz mm-hmm. uh, Field in Minnesota, not Allianz Arena, but um, <laughs> Allianz Field is looking to go back to full capacity uh, for the next or the game after that home game. It's like uh, June something. I'm Adrian probably... Heath did say to the press, I know this is a bit off topic, but yeah. Adrian Heath, the Minnesota United coach, did say to the press after their win against, um, was it the Whitecaps? No, that was last game. Uh, this last night yeah uh dallas yes against dallas um their win he said after that game that he's hoping he, he loved the fans but he's hoping that they're going to be full capacity next game so you know good to see just the the improvement and and the steady growth and how how much people are able to do and support well, the game i guess we could <clears throat> touch on that united uh two wins in a row back to back yeah i'm i'm very intrigued to see how they can carry this momentum the one thing that i think is important to note is they were both very close and they weren't typical minnesota united in-season wins that we've seen in the Mm -hmm. past you know i think last year and maybe the year before is is a better representation because that was pre-covid we would go out in the regular season and we would either lose and it would be close or we would absolutely obliterate the other we would start out i feel like we started out strong really, in, really in games yeah. yeah and and we would win like four or five nil and this is a totally different united side now that doesn't take away from the the feeling and the emotion from that game i mean <laughs> i know you i mean you were in the crowd yeah. and i was at home and i there was no one in my house and no one near me but i got up and started running around the kitchen yeah. and screaming because Lod put in that 94th minute equal or uh, winner and which was not a pretty goal by the way no but i mean Reynoso had many chances as well. I, we deserved a goal, and usually, you know, when you dominate a game like that, you're not going to get, like, a pretty goal from yeah. it. It's going to yeah. be a scrappy one, but it's deserved. Exactly. Um, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's, it was a good game. It was a scrappy game. Laud said after the game, it wasn't pretty, but we got three points. I think that's something we're going to be hearing more often this season than not. Yeah, at least, at least until we get, you know, higher in the table. I think it's and, definitely going to be win first, not play well you know to go off of the post-match interviews back to adrian heath's i'm wondering what you might think of this he did say to the press we do ha- now have a three four week break until our next game which will be good for us to reset train and and get back to where we want to be and i'm hoping to have a few new players arrive next week to the training grounds to start uh, getting used to being with the team getting around them and then we can hopefully incorporate them right away in the next game who might they be and like what? Uh, what exactly are we gonna? Do you think see from what Adrian Heath wants right now? Um, well, I know. Well, I hope. Uh, 
I hope I know, and I'm expecting the French striker that we signed. Are you talking Hanu? Yeah, because... So he's not in yet. No, because I think he is def... <clears throat> he's probably joining after the French League is done, which is next next yes. week, right? Yes, Um But he said a few. He didn't say one. Yeah, so... But once that season ends, you know, he'll... Whatever move, you know, he, that takes... That takes a long time. Yeah, so I think he'll get settled down in the next couple of weeks as well, and that's just going to be huge because, you know... We started Ethan Finley again. You know, I'm not gonna say anything about that. And then also, um, I well, no, I know they said Debassy would be back. Um, needed, much needed. Next game, whenever that is. Uh, but he said he's definitely back that game. So I think those two. By the way, Tyler is playing incredible. Yes. In- two two clean incredible. sheets. Two clean sheets, two wins since and he started. He, he only had two shots on goal this game, but even last game, I mean, the saves this guy's making. Mm-hmm. It, I don't know. We have two great goalkeepers, but yeah, and you know, <clears throat> it was kind of needed. Not all on Saint Clair, yeah. not all his fault, but it's kind of when you're not in form, you know, switching out the goalkeepers usually does a little something, uh, at least to the defense and yeah. also just to the team. And usually that goalie, like. Miller has once he you know gets a good few saves then his confidence is up very high and that's what you need and then you know maybe he drops in form as well and then St. Clair comes back in and does the same and that's the positive about having two really good keepers that can kind of be interchangeable um but I did see a few Instagram comments when the only player we switched between two games ago or three games ago and then Wednesday night's game um the people were all like why did we take Dane out? He's been our only good player the whole season, which I I don't know if I agreed with completely. Michael Boxall has been our best I player. completely agree with that. He has been really solid, yeah. even though we've conceded a lot. I mean, None of it has been his fault. No. It's been either his center back partner, our outside backs, or our midfield not tracking back. Ozzy Alonso made a pretty big difference, I think, just with his presence when he came in on Wednesday. Um, I, I didn't think he, he maybe touched the ball and moved it around like he's used to, but I think his presence in the midfield definitely helped deter. Yeah, it's always players. there. Yeah, and, um, then, and then Will Trapp finally had a really good game um, this past game mm-hmm. against uh, Dallas. So it's good to see our midfield starting to fire as well again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think we're up to, like, 10th now um, in the West, and, you know, six points out of... Five, six games. Six, really? Yeah, we're two and four. Oh, yeah, we were 0 and four, weren't we? um, That's looking a lot better than six games, zero points. Yeah, I mean, it's a point per game. It's not great, but it should. A point per game should leave you. uh, Around the playoff. But. Wild card. Well, mm, I'd say more bottom half of the table, maybe a little bit closer to mid table. But I think that recovering. You know, it, I think Adrian, he said it perfectly after the game. You know, it's just. He said, we came into these two games against, it was Vancouver, right, and Dallas, mm-hmm. uh, saying, everyone said in the locker room before Vancouver, four points is what we need in the next five days. And coming away with six, although scrappy, although maybe not the way we wanted to play, is much better than four, so we're going to go home and we're going to be happy and we're going to build off of it. Yep. Um, and then kind of moving back to what else happened, moving back to the Premier League, um, today, one of the rarest things ever to happen... <laughs> Maybe uh, maybe the rarest, except for when you see him have a bicycle kick. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> but not only that, but the story behind it um, and the year that this goalie has it's gone through. Yes. And, uh, you know, Allison, Liverpool, it's 1-1 at West Brom. 93rd minute. 
they are trying to get in the Champions League. They need this win, and it's a corner, and then Allison comes up for it. Just, you would think he is a top striker in the Premier League. You, you the actually way, would. The way he controlled his body, rotated his head, flicked it on perfectly into the far post, wins it in the 95th minute. All the players crowd around him, you know, scenes everywhere. And it's just, it was an incredible. I didn't see it live. You yeah, did. Yeah, I did see it live. And the best part about that experience sitting there, I was with my dad, is that, so Allison runs up. And my dad goes, imagine he scores a header here. No. <laughs> nice. And then immediately after, scores a header, he said to the the press after the game, he was like, you know, Klopp, I, 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 I looked at the bench to see if I should go up. I was getting no reaction from anyone. No one was telling me what to do. So I started jogging up. And then the assistant goalkeeper coach yelled at me, go, just do it. Yeah, yeah. And so he sprinted up and, you know, it, it seemed to work out. But so he makes sure the camera's on me here. But it, it was ridiculous how he, you know, like you said, moved his body. He went up for the header and then he rotated his entire upper yeah. half and then the, I don't know what you would call it, but the motion that he got on his head to flick it, I mean, he directed yeah, that his exactly back, where his he His back was it. away from the net. Yeah. And he fully, like, midair turned his whole body. Like, yeah. the body control was incredible. It, it, you texted me immediately mm-hmm. after this. You went Didier Drogba against FC Bayern. Yeah, Champions League 2012. That was his last game, right? For Chelsea? I don't know. I think, was it? Well, yeah, he went to the USL, didn't he? Um, But... Yeah, so that was a equalizer um, in the Champions League final, and it was pretty much the same thing. Yeah, Yeah, pretty much the same thing, but uh, he went near post, but it was the same, just rotation of the body. It was the other side. It was a corner from the other side, Mm -hmm. and he went near post, and it was kind of like, it wasn't bar down. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, same. It was was a Didier Drogba finish, if if I've ever seen Um, it. But like you said, with the post-match interview, it was one of the best I've heard. Uh, you know, first he, you know, thanked many of the Premier League clubs for supporting him after his father died. Yeah. Um, just I think a month or two ago, and then he also said, um, "I'm too emotional. Emotional. Uh, football is my life. I've played ever since I remember as a human being with my father. I hope he was here to see it." And it was just, you know, that was perfect. And and he was crying after the game. Which, yeah. you know, it's one of those things where, like, I think the emotion spreads. You can feel so much more attached to the game just when he is showing so much emotion. And you, I felt that moment after the game when, you know, he was, when he went over and hugged Klopp mm-hmm. and they were both crying together. It's like, for one, that header might have single-handedly launched them into a Champions League spot for next season. First time a goalie has, scor- has scored for Liverpool in their history, by the way. First time a goalie has ever scored a header in Premier League history. Yeah. So many you, records were broken. Yeah, because you see goalies go up all the time. Yeah, and they might score. I think so six just, other or five other goalies have scored um, in the Premier League's history, but I'm guessing the other five have been kind of like Tim Howard's where they hit the goal kick yeah. and it bounces. Like the wind takes it and yeah, it, it just bounces. Bounce, yeah. Um, yeah, it was just an incredible story. Not only just the goal, but, you know, like we said. Um, the past couple of months have been really hard for him, and it was just really nice to see. And it makes a very interesting Champions League spot race with, uh, I think, Chelsea, Leicester, and Liverpool all in um, within a couple points of each other with a game or two to go, right? So Yeah, I mean, it should be a really close uh, end for that 
that it, I mean it, it might even be fifth uh, sixth fifth fourth and third but I think it's more between mm-hmm. fifth fourth and third right now that is Leicester Chelsea and Liverpool Liverpool yes so um so yeah that's going to be really interesting to see what happens there's a chance that Leicester altogether move from third down to fifth because they play Chelsea um on Tuesday I think I mean what what a season they would have had if they made the Champions League and won the FA Cup if they make Champions League this year that is incredible yeah um unreal scenes and then also this weekend three teenagers scored their first Premier League goal Nathan Tell of Southampton and then in the same game Fabio Carvalho also for Fulham went bar down which was actually a very nice goal and then Daniel Jebison for Sheffield United, who beat Everton today as well, which takes them goal. out of European contention pretty much. Yeah, um, it, it is still possible, I think. Maybe not. Don't take my word for this. It is still possible, I think, though. But it is extremely unlikely now. And mm-hmm. just to talk about uh, Daniel Jebson for a minute, the goal that he scored wasn't... I mean, it, it was a very good poacher's goal you know he's in the right place right time good cross didn't have to beat the keeper the cross beat the keeper already he was on the ground and he just tapped it in uh first was it first premier league player to score on first premier league player at age 17 to score on debut something like that Mm -hmm. i don't know um but yeah he that's great for him the thing i would like to note though is he actually almost had a brace about like 10 minutes apart in really? the first half. Yeah. So they bring it down the left side and they cross it in and, or no, no. So he almost had, yeah, he almost had a brace. So they bring it down the left side. They play a through ball to him. He's one-on-one with the keeper. Oh. He can, it's just him and the keeper. He's mm. slightly to the left. He could take it around the keeper and immediately get a brace. He decides to go for the chip, but the keeper hasn't even gotten it. Ah. So just a little bit that you're seeing of you know his his maybe composure. Not, his, his composure's not there. He's not a veteran yet. And then literally two seconds after that, so the goalkeeper like it's it's a pretty hard chip. You know, it reminds me of a Danny Welbeck chip. Yeah. Um. So the keeper can't grab it because he's so close. So he just bats it away. They cross it in again. Now he's back to goal. Turns, hits it, and then they block it and it goes out. So ah. he was incredibly close to having. He One of the buzzing, most un- unbelievable full debuts. Yeah. He's obviously uh, debuted in the Premier League, but that was his first Premier League start. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and uh, like you said, Nathan Tella and uh, Fabio Carvalho all scoring. So not maybe the people that you would hear about the most scoring that are young. Usually the, the lower table teams have more veteran squads that might be able to fight, and you hear those young players playing at the yeah. highest level. But three this week that are you know, not even close to the top half of the table. I mean, it shows, you know, they usually wait till the last couple games when pretty much all the spots are chosen to play these young guys, but it shows they can still do it. And I feel like it just, it would be much more fun to see them play throughout the season instead of just, you know, games that don't really matter and they're just playing yeah i was watching sheffield united's game i was like where was this guy the whole season yeah. <laughs> they could have used him a yeah. lot i didn't really see much from ollie burke this year yeah and Brewster. Uh, yeah exactly so where was he all season you never know but um yeah i mean good to see them them all scoring nathan tellett gets more time though right yeah he has uh been in and out of the squad but he hasn't started a lot even though when he has been in the games he's looked our best winger so I mean, yeah, it's just good to see young players doing doing bits. That's why I love watching the U18s. I was watching, I think it was 
Crystal Palace, Chelsea, and trying to pick out who I think is going to be in the Premier League in two years. And I think I wrote them down on my phone. So in about two years, when I hear one of those names and it, and it rings a bell, um, you got to have it on record. You should say. Do you do you remember? No, I do not remember right now. I can try to uh, dig them up and then uh, let you guys know next podcast. But um, it was. Oh, I can't quite remember. It was an it, it was CDM for Chelsea and a right winger for Crystal Palace. Both of them have already signed pro, oh. um, but they're playing U18. And they do it weird over there. Have you noticed that? So they sign like half of the team has signed pro on some of these on some of these teams, and half of the team hasn't. Um, but they're still all playing U18. So they sign a contract, giving them money. But they're on the same team. I just would find it so weird if I was yeah. playing with, like, oh, my mate who's playing right wing is getting paid $40,000 a year yeah. to play this game, and I'm getting nothing. Yeah. Like, it would just be so weird. But, you know, it's kind of how it works over there. It's pretty cutthroat. And I think probably the guys who don't get signed. I think U18 is that year where you get signed for the under-23s, but they wait until you're after U18, right? Yeah. And so it's just, like, however many people get signed go to the under-23 team. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, I'm watching the game in about two years and they um, those guys show up and I'm like, wow, I'm a good scout. Yeah. I should I should work for one of these teams. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, moving out of England over to Germany, the German Cup DFB Pokal happened. Dortmund won it, and uh, it was quite eventful. Holland back, he uh, has 39 goals in 39 games this season, which I think is a stat... That's that okay. is overlooked that's a lot right now. He <laughs> is, that's better than like anyone. Yeah. I mean, Robert Lewandowski obviously just passed that 50 goals in the Bundesliga in one season that Gerd uh, Muller previously held. So do you think he's going to get the Ballon d'Or this year? I mean, he was robbed of it last year. I mean. It's hard because of Champions League. He it's also hard because the, he's not in the Euros. Poland are in the Euros. Right? Oh, wait, did that not qualify? Holland. Oh, no, I was saying uh, Lewandowski. Oh, Lewandowski. Because he, he broke the 50 goal. Yeah, well, if Poland make a little run. Yeah. But Bayern did not go far in the I'm Champions saying. League. They didn't do well in the so. Champions League. So it's hard to see Lewandowski winning it. I don't think Holland will this year just because he's young. And, you know, yeah. even then, same competition and Lewandowski has more. Yeah. But Holland will probably eventually win a Ballon d'Or. Mm-hmm. Not to put too much pressure on you, right? But <laughs> yeah, yeah. he probably will win a Ballon d'Or someday. But, I mean, I would love to see Lewandowski get at least what he deserves from last season. I mean, it just, I feel like it's something that he deserves. Yeah. But yes, Holland will have a very hard time performing in the Euros this year, as he will not be a part of them, if you guys didn't know. <laughs> Norway are not a part of the European Union, therefore not a part of the Euro competition. Good. Um, and then just to finish it off, I thought uh, a couple of big things in the Women's League happened. So the Women's Champions League final, uh, Barcelona won 4-0 against Chelsea. And I was like, wow, so they're definitely the best team. And they also won La Liga. And then I saw they were 26-0 and in La Liga. And that is... their goal differential was 128 goals to 5 goals. Are we going to see an invincible Barcelona women's team? I think we have. I mean, well, not quite yet. No. Have, have they been before? Maybe. I mean, but I don't know how many games. Unfortunately, I don't have, follow though. the women's side as much as I probably should. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's just ridiculous. Don't you think they should maybe distribute the wealth <laughs> a little bit more than that? Like, it seems like that's really lopsided. I mean, yeah. Like, but I I know Chelsea have been very good. Their women's team. Um, obviously, they were in the final, and then also 
Fran Kirby won the Women's Player of the Year in England for the second time. Very good player. Yeah, and uh, so I know, like, I, I don't really remember seeing, you know, Barcelona women's team being, like, the big team. I always see, like, Chelsea or... It's Lyon, Chelsea, Leon, yes. PSG, and, like, Arsenal, I yeah. believe. Are, were, I think they were the, f- the s- four teams in the semifinal of the Champions League about exactly maybe a little later than this time of year ago because the Champions League obviously took place a little bit later. Um, I was going to mention last podcast, I was going to be like, oh, this is so interesting. It's the one-year anniversary of our podcast because, like, the Champions League final, like, we started, I don't know, a couple weeks before the Champions League final, um, and then I realized soccer no, was, like, two months. barely started. <laughs> yeah, later. Right now. I, when, did, when did the Bundesliga It actually happened? I think it was today or yesterday that it came back. I saw a post so, about it. So it'll will maybe next week. I'll have to check the exact dates. I can do that right now. But maybe next week will be the one, the one year of us doing the podcast. It doesn't feel like one year. Did you ever think we were gonna get to one year? Probably not at the start. But then once we kept going, I'd say um, it definitely became like all right. I mean, this isn't much work, and we like doing it. So I would think we would just do it until either we stop liking it or you know it just uh gets too much or too busy and 43 episodes 43 the first episode that we posted was june 15th so we still have we have a month exactly one month that's crazy but we're close to a year Mm. the one thing i would say though is did you ever think we were going to have like such a a high grade studio setup like we do now. No, again because we started out with just the mic and we didn't we have out, a camera. Do we still have it? Can I go grab it? I mean, this Maybe. this is just a little um, backstory for all of you guys that are watching right now. So you zoom in on this. This is <laughs> this is the first thing that we started out with the condenser microphone iUcas. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, don't listen to the that, first yeah. podcast. <laughs> Obviously. Um, I think in episode 10, we got one of these. And then we upgraded to two, and then we got the table and the setup, and then just recently. Well, we were over there first, Yeah, we, we were to the we, left, which you probably can't see. We had a... We should make a montage of, like... We should, yeah. We had a, like... Um, it was it was like a coat hanger with a mirror on it and stuff that was hung up over there. And then we just used the coat hangers yeah. to hang up jerseys and yeah. put stuff on this little shelf that it had. Um, I remember like the first day when we made that, I was like, gosh, this looks cool. Because we were, we were doing it on the couch for yeah. a long time. And then when we started recording them, you know, the, the couch started looking like it was just like not the best. We'll, <laughs> we'll do something for in a month from now. Yeah, we'll do, a, we'll do a little montage of how far we've come and at least that we think <laughs> the, the, the levels we think we've, yes. we've achieved um but obviously you guys are here uh to tell us if we've actually improved as podcasters <laughs> but at least Hopefully. the stuff around us has um i think we're gonna leave it at that for this week's podcast how long is that running study uh, we're about 31. Yeah, so like we said, prob- probably a 30-minute podcast for this week. Solid. Yeah, very solid that we were able to time that correctly. And we will see you guys next week with...
hopefully a little bit more to talk about. Um, the Chelsea versus uh, Leicester game will be happening on Tuesday, so that'll be a big one. Keep your eyes peeled for that. And other than that, hope you guys have a great rest of your weeks, and we will see you guys next week. Peace.